Hey, welcome to Kingdom Minded Podcast. I love you guys. Thank you for watching me. Um, as just a reminder, please, if you haven't and you're watching, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, if you're in prison or in jail and you're just needing somebody to pray with you or you want to uh, write to us um, regarding your prayer requests and needs, uh, you can write to Cultivate Church at P.O. Box 1162, um, St. Charles, Missouri, 63302. And we'll make sure that somebody is praying for you and getting back to you. We do read all of our mail. With that being said, I'm the host of Kingdom Minded Podcast. My name is uh, Shane Blackledge, and I'm so grateful and thankful in the season that we're in. We're just a uh, just a, in just a few hours, it'll be a, a Christmas Eve, and then we get to adore that Christ is born, and uh, just enjoy that time. And I pray that um, that you get to enjoy some time with Jesus. And uh, we are in a amazing uh, season of just uh, focusing on what Christ is doing in our own lives. Um, I hear the word of the Lord telling me over and over it's like ringing in my ear very loud this word expecting and and i just pray that um you can just expect jesus to show up when you call on his name expect jesus to show up when you feel alone or you're in the valley expect jesus when you're climbing the summit on the mountaintops expect jesus in 2024 expect his glorious might to be displayed the kingdom of God is at hand. This isn't something that was of old thousands and thousands of years ago. This is happening now. People can be healed. People can be delivered. People can be set free. Miracles, signs, and wonders will take place today, tomorrow, and forever because Christ is magnified. He is such a great and amazing God. And anyways, I love the Lord so much, and I am just excited about today's podcast because we have um, Rebecca Lazos on. She is an author. She's a prophetic evangelist. She she loves street ministry. She goes into the prisons. She does all kinds of stuff, and I'm not going to steal uh, what she has to say today. So with that being said, I'm just going to let her speak and just welcome and thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on Kingdom Minded and just sharing with us today. appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be here. And um, I'm just also like you, just so expectant for what the Lord is doing in this season uh, that we've already entered. A lot of us keep saying in the next season, but we've already entered it. And so I'm just excited as we just continue to move move further into the land that God has, has given us um, and just to see all that he has for us to do and to receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you would like to, um, yeah, if you would like to share your testimony and let's just uh, uh, let's just enjoy what the Lord is uh, putting on your heart to share today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. So my name is Rebecca Lasso and I um, I grew up um, in South Florida. I was um, I was born in Texas, but my family moved over there when I was uh, four years old. And so that's where I grew up until I was 16. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a, I guess a kind of a normal childhood, but at the same time I, I endured a lot of sexual abuse. So I guess it wasn't that normal. Unfortunately, it's very common, but I don't think that that is what I was supposed to endure as a child. Um, I know it's not. Um, and so this, um, 
my earliest memories are from that. And, um, and you know, it's kind of like, and I know a lot of abuse victims can, um, probably identify with this is it's almost like once you've been abused, you're kind of marked and you just continue getting all of this abuse throughout your life. Um, you know, even as a child. And, um, so I, I didn't have like a, the same experience other people did. I tried to do normal kid things like being Girl Scouts or play softball or these other things. But because of the trauma I went through, I was dissociating and having a whole different experience than the other kids in my class. So like while I'm sitting here having a conversation with you, I'm actually viewing my own body from above and I have all of this sensory stuff going on. And so it was really, really difficult for me to just have like a normal life. Um, this caused me to really um, kind of be to myself, uh, feel, you know, um, very self-conscious uh, and uh, just had a lot of trouble fitting in. My dad's also Mexican and my mom is um, American and that created um, a lot of um, trouble for me. You know, I wasn't white enough for the white people. I wasn't Mexican enough for the Mexican people. Um, and I just kind of felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And, um, and so that was really hard. Um, you know, my dad's a musician, so music was a big part of our life. Um, my dad also, you know, drank pretty heavily. And, um, so, you know, I, I began being able to kind of tell like what kind of evening it was going to be or night by what type of music was playing and, and things like that. These are just kind of just giving you an idea of like kind of how my childhood was set up. Um, whenever I was in, um, uh, fifth grade, um, kind of jumping ahead when I was in fifth grade, um, it, so, someone I was uh, talking to on the phone, this is back in the days of when people are, you know, your mom answer or picks up the phone to hear what's going on on the conversation. Well, my friend's mom picked up the phone and she heard me telling her daughter that I was being abused again. And, um, so the mom got me over to her house and I stayed the night over there and, um, she told my mom and I was, I was relieved. I felt like, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna stop now and I'm going to be okay. Um, and it did stop. However, I was still, um, forced to live in the same home. Um, there was, a and, and before that there was so much that was suppressed that a lot of the PTSD was, was also suppressed when this, when this abuse came out, it was like everything that I had held in for, you know, over, you know, nine years or however long it all came out. And with that came a rage and a hatred for women was born at this point. Um, later in life, I will, I, you know, went through drug, drug addiction, but I often tell people the first addiction I had was to violence. It was to hatred. Um, and it was to, um, to death. Um, I was totally consumed with the fascination of death. I, um, would hang dried roses or roses that were alive upside down on my walls. And I would watch them as they died. And it, to me, it felt therapeutic to watch something die that way. And I, and I really, I was, you know, I, I, I didn't have any ability to express myself. Um, I was at this point, I was made to uh, believe I was crazy. Um, I was, you know, put in mental hospitals and all this came really from, um, 
me exposing what happened to me. And, um, and, you know, I attempted suicide um, when I was 11 or 12 years old. I died in my room and I left my body um, and I began uh, conversating with God. And he began showing me um, my mom, then my dad. And after each person he showed me, I said, I still want to die. And so it went to my mom, my dad, my older brother. When it got to my little brother, I who was two years old at the time, I... Um, I just start pleading to God, like, please don't let me die. Like, actually, I really don't want to die. <laughs> like, I just be with my little brother. And um, and I came back into my body and I was um, I was blind and I was deaf. I was blind only for a few hours, but I was deaf for several days. And um, I happened to be on an out of school suspension for fighting. And um, and so I remember being scared to tell my mom that I had died and, um, and or that I had tried to commit suicide. And um so I would just, she was, she was a teacher. So, uh, I would listen for her footsteps to come near my room and I would open my eyes and she would say the whole, you know, I'm going to work, clean up or whatever. And I would just shake my head, but I really couldn't hear anything she said. And, um, you know, eventually, um, a few days later, my hearing came back all the way. Um, but I was, I was just miserable. I was, I literally went from being a, a child that was well-behaved, um, you know, I didn't get in any trouble or anything like that um, to overnight being filled with so much rage. The first time I heard the voice of God, I was in sixth grade and I was on my way unknowingly that I was, I was on my way to kill someone. I didn't know I was going to kill them. I, I thought I was just going to push them off of all these bleachers. But God's voice I heard and he said, don't do that. You will kill her. And mm -hmm. so I didn't do it. I, I didn't recognize who was talking to me, but I just listened. And, um, but I, I still ended up, you know, hurting her badly. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's amazing because a lot of us, if we look back, regardless of where we are today or where we've been, we can see the hand of God over us because I truly believe had his, had his hand not ever been on us in the first place, we wouldn't even make it to the day of salvation. Like we wouldn't make it, we would be taken out before we ever got the opportunity. And, um, so this, this murderous rage just continued to grow, um, you know, up until 2016 and, um, which is when I, when I experienced a great deliverance, um, uh, with that, you know, I, I, I just was your, your typical troubled kid. Like I was, you know, stealing cars at the age of 12, probably, um, I ran with gangs, but I wouldn't join a gang. Um, and so that caused problems with gangs, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just, just a lot, a lot of turmoil. I ended up going to a, a cognitive behavioral therapy wilderness program when I was 14. Uh, and I stayed there till I was 16. And then 10 days later, you know, I moved to Texas and I did good for a while. I ended up having my daughter, my senior year in high school. And I tried to, you know, I, I still use a lot of the things I, um, I learned and, and things like that. But ultimately I went back to the street life. I was, you know, I ended up going to college three days out of high school, but not very long after that, you know, I was trying to sell drugs and go to school and then that mm. was using drugs and trying to go to school. And I stayed in college, you know, year after year after year, not making much progress, um, <laughs> but trying Uh, hearing, 
the music on the radio and smelling the night air that I was just like, Oh my God, I can't wait to be out at night. And I'm still like that. I love to be out at night, but now, you know, I'm evangelizing and doing things like that. It's totally different. Um, but, uh, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, where God has brought me, um, you know, I, I, I know that I stand in the office of a prophetic evangelist and it's so amazing because looking back, you know, at the age of, um, about, five or six years old, I was preaching that Jesus Christ is the son of God on the playground to the Jewish people. Um, at the age of about 12 or 13, I was filling out, um, the covers of Bibles, um, kids Bibles with the intent to give them to like drug dealers. I was hanging around, um, and never got, we both got locked up. So I was never able to give it to them. But, um, but I, looking back on my life, I see how, you know, how all of this stuff was in me or, or I had this purpose. I had this purpose before anyone ever thought that I was value. Um, mm. God put a calling on my life and I was operating in it. And, you know, in some way, unknowingly, uh, just this overflow of having to tell people about God, even though I really didn't, I didn't really know him, <laughs> but I had this compulsion to tell people. And, um, and, you know, it's such a beautiful thing when deliverance came in my life, which was, you know, 10 years after I became a Christian, I became a Christian at the age of about 22 years old, where, um, you know, I heard God's voice again. I was about to get my door kicked in, uh, selling crack and all this. And, and I heard God's voice tell me if I give back everything in my house to the furniture store, that he would move me. And so I, I again, I didn't realize I was hearing God, but I gave everything back and he moved me. And, um, it was, you know, maybe like a, a year later, um, I ended up in a church. I got saved. Um, I had a, you know, I had a lot of, um, radical changes quickly, but they didn't last. Um, you know, um, I still was filled with so much anger and rage. And this is really, um, the point that God wants me to kind of sit on a little bit. I know I kind of fast forwarded through it, but it's really to get to this part is, um, it's the fruit, the, fr so the Bible speaks about fruit, right? So fruit can be good and it can be bad. And he wants me to share really, um, about the fruit of forgiveness and the fruit of unforgiveness. And so I want to take this moment to, to paint this picture. So here I am and I, and I've come through, you know, growing up in the streets of South Florida, which are not, they're not good down there. <laughs> um, you know, um, protecting myself, being filled with rage, violence. Um, you know, I, I, I dabbled like in cocaine use and things like that. But really for me, like it was the violence. Like that is what, I mean, I can't even, some people like they get drunk or do this and they end up violent. No, like that, if I ended up drunk and stuff, I would probably be less violent. It, my, my norm was just being out of control rage. And, um, and so here I am, I, I come into this church. I went through a lot of trauma. My grandma was my best friend and she ended up dying in the hospital when I was giving birth to my son in the same hospital, mm -hmm. like two days apart. And when that happened, um, that's what led me to go into a church when my son was 15 days old. But at the same time, um, there was, when I got to that church, people told me you have to forgive. And I remember, you know, I would tithe, I, I would tithe my food stamps. I would 10% everything that came in my hand. I was so eager to, to give and to like, I wanted, you know, I had no problem doing that. 
But when someone told me that you needed to forgive the people who hurt you, I remember putting my arms like this and refusing. At this point, I had already suffered since the age of 14 with fibromyalgia, um, which basically is uncontrollable pain all over your body. I would feel ice picks stabbing me in my face. I was unable to drive. I couldn't move clothes on a rack. Um, I was in excruciating pain. And I now know later, you know, in life, um, that a lot of that had to do with the trauma that was held up in my body, but also the refusal of refusing to forgive myself and others, um, that allowed that spirit of infirmity to dwell in my body. It was so bad, um, that my hands would turn in like this, my feet would turn in mm. and wrap my body in sheets. Um, I would wake up on the floor because I had been rolling. I was trying to like massage my bones. Um, you know, I was tested for leukemia, lupus, Lyme disease, all of this stuff. And, and that, you know, they're like, we can't find out what's wrong with you. And, um, and, and I stayed in that condition for a total of over 25 years. But here, here's someone who's in this condition and someone's telling you, God can heal you, but you need to forgive and still refusing. My heart was so stubborn. It was so, mm. so everything that uh, came out of me was toxic. It was, um, it was, it was dirty. It was vile. It was corrupt. And so it was like, even though I received Christ as my savior, he, I didn't make him my Lord yet. Right. I, was, <laughs> I, I should have made him my Lord right away, but I just wanted to be saved. Right. And, um, and I was unwilling to really pay the price that it, that it took to be set free. I was unwilling to get on that cross and to allow the cross of Christ to crucify everything in me that was not of him. And, um, hold on one second, sorry. And so what, um, what I dealt with was so much sickness, um, mental, um, mental instability, you know, bipolar disorder, all of these things. And, um, Oh man, you know, and I suffered, you know, I tell people this, a lot of people don't believe me. I didn't become a drug addict till after I came to Christ. I dabbled in things. I didn't become an addict until after the, after I came to Christ, I became addicted to pills. Um, I, uh, eventually became addicted to crack, um, and then to meth. And people say, well, how, how, how do you, Jesus sets you free? He sets you free if you, sometimes I won't, I, he's sovereign, but if you want to be free, if you want to be free. And I wasn't willing, I wasn't willing to suffer um, emotional pain. I didn't want to sit with the things that had happened to me. I wanted it to be numb. And I understood that I could probably go to hell still. And I was okay with that because not because I, I didn't love God and not because I didn't, um, that I wanted to go there. I was terrified to feel, mm -hmm. I was terrified to feel what had happened to me. Mm, Jesus, we can come to a point where we are so traumatized that the reality of what happened to us can be worse than the fact that if we do not repent, we will go to hell. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, I remember uh, when people would try to talk to me about what happened to me, I would cover my ears and I would start screaming at the top mm. of me because I could not listen um, to it. Um, I, I, I found out this emotional healing ministry back uh, in 2000, maybe 12 or 13, and I tried to go. 
And um, I went a couple times and then I couldn't go back. And so there were times, you know, um, that I was reaching out and trying to get help. Um, but I was in, I just, man, God's mercy, his mercy, you know, and anyone that's hearing this, you know, there's, there's no excuse for us to be in, in sin and things like that. Cause God will set us free, but God also understands and remembers things that happen to us. We may not even remember. And I, I want to paint the picture of a loving father to you because, um, a lot of people didn't share the love of the father with me. They just try to put fear in me and stop. Poco. Sorry, my dog. Um, they just tried to put fear in me. Um, but what I needed to know was that he cared. And whenever the day I got delivered, that's exactly what it showed because, um, you know, in long story short, I ended up, you know, losing my home and everything like that. I had to move back with family, which was uh, its own hell for me. Right. Um, at the end, it wasn't as bad, but it was, it was really hard. And, um, Coco, stop it. I'm so sorry. She's <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> um, but, um, thank you, Jesus. Um, God got, my dog, hold on though. I do want to give a shout out to my old dog. I miss my dog Coco. Oh. I had a <laughs> me and my sister. Um, I don't know if my brother even remembers, but when we was kids, um, and we was poor, man. We we had a dog given to us, and her name was Coco, and she was a chow chow. So she looked like a teddy bear. Her hair was all crazy. She had a purple tongue. But when as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that's my dog. Oh. <laughs> my daughter's dog. I'm babysitting. <laughs> oh gosh, um, uh, she's amazing though. God's used her mightily to just further healing in my heart and Amen. love and be loved. Like is this? She's got her own ministry. Let me tell you. Um, but. Um, what, what I was saying before Coco got me off track um, is just the love of the father, you know, um, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. So the Lord gave me this, this picture that he wants me to share with you. So for a lot of people, when we struggle, especially at the beginning, we're trying to be set free. We want to be set free. we got a lot of other things that are going on. Not to mention, we've been translated into the kingdom of light. And now we still got the kingdom of darkness that's attached to us through all the things we've been through. We're trying to walk this new life. And we're literally being pulled back and forth, back and forth. And whenever we're falling into sin, the last thing most of us do is run to God. We feel like we can't be in his presence. I know for me, I felt like I had to wait three days before I could go to him again. And um, and all of this, but, um, something that God showed me that was happening, I didn't have the understanding of what I was doing is that even whenever I was getting high and stuff like that, I was always in the word. And I remember thinking like, man, I don't know how to get this darkness out of me because I wasn't in a church at this time. I was by myself, but I was like, I don't know how to get this darkness out of me. But if I just keep putting the word in me, eventually this darkness is going to have to get pushed out. Like if I if the volume of, of light is being put in me it eventually the dark, the darkness will be overcome by the light and the clean water will push out the dirt and I'll be. Says, you know, that um, 
that light overcomes darkness, that it, it could not comprehend it and all of this stuff. Um, and so I just want to encourage anyone who's going through a, a difficult um, time, if there's some kind of stronghold on your life, well, first of all, in the name of Jesus, I, I, I break it in the name of Jesus. And I pray you would come out of agreement in your mind, your, your body and your soul. You would come out of agreement with those lies in the name of Jesus. And just know you keep putting the light in you. You keep putting the word of God in you. You keep putting his presence through worship and prayer. And I will tell you, he will show up and do the part that you cannot do do. And that's exactly what God did for me is after struggling. Um, I mean, you know, my, my, um, my full testimony is in my book and it's, and I'm thankful for the book because it really lays out the process and where you can mm -hmm. see God's hand. Because for me, like I didn't have an encounter with God and boom, I was set free from everything, but I had doors of hope open to me for years. And so first, like God took away the Xanax and the Adderall because my doctor got indicted for crimes. <laughs> so all my refills went bad. <laughs> and oh, at, that point, <laughs> at that point, I recognized God's given me a door. He's given me a door of hope. And so either I have a choice now, I yield to the help I'm being given to get off these two pills, or I go find another doctor. And I chose to yield and I got off of them. About a year later, um, my, um, my friend who was the nurse or the medical assistant, the pain management place called me and said, Chica, I'm sorry, we don't take your insurance anymore. You'll have to find somewhere else. I was getting, you know, um, Percocets, uh, Dilaudid, um, all kinds of stuff at this doctor. And, um, and I legitimately ne needed it, but I also legitimately abused it. Right. Abused it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I, I recognize all, you know, cause when she apologized, I said, no, Chica, don't be sorry. God is giving me a way out. And I got off of that medicine. And, you know, and so this was, you know, happened a little bit at a time. Um, but I also saw that as God, see, I had become accustomed to these things to help me through life. And so as God would take one thing away, he would strengthen me in some area. And then he would take the next thing away. And he told me, had I taken everything from you, you would have been like a child in an adult body with no way to cope. Mm. You wouldn't have no, it's like, I picture a deer that is being born and they go to stand up and they can't. He said, you would have like been destroyed. And so it's just so important, you know, not to use what I'm saying, like as an excuse to keep going, but to recognize when God is giving you that help and saying, okay, if God opened this door right now for me to get this help, um, you know, by having these medicines taken away or whatever it is, however it shows up for you to yield and to accept it because at that moment there is a grace being re released on you to overcome that. And that's really like when we're being set free, there's some, you know, some deliverances uh, that I uh, received or instant uh, was like day and night, but a lot of them, even, you know, the healing that we I'm still going through, um, you know, it, it, it comes in, in little pieces. And, and it's like, this is what I picture is that like, we're in a prison, all the doors have been opened because, you know, of, of Jesus's death, burial, resurrection, he's on the throne, every prison door is open. But a lot of us are still sitting in the cell. We're still sitting in the cell. And we don't know how to get out of that one to go down the go down, you know, the aisle to get out of the next pod and, and, and out until we're finally over the entire gate and not even on the prison property anymore. And the only person who can really lead you in that is Jesus.
And if you can cultivate and make a relationship with him, your number one priority and listening um, and, and, and for what direction he's giving you, he will lead you out of every single door because we are literally uh, uh, through trauma and the life, you know, the street life in itself can be traumatic. A lot of us end up in it because of trauma. And then we end up with like way more. <laughs> and um, but he knows every turn through that prison to bring you all the way out to the other side. And, um, you know, I, um, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for deliverance, for the ministry of deliverance, because it's only through the ministry of deliverance. Anyone even knows I'm saved because when I wasn't delivered, I looked like I, I was not saved. I was doing everything opposite. Right. But it's so amazing because my heart wanted to worship God. I wanted to worship God even whenever I was like had you know I got saved and I and I backslid back bad for like 10 years. I was still on Pinterest looking at like things for youth groups to do. There was something inside me that could not let go of God, but because mm. I fully embrace him because of all the sin and the addiction and all this stuff. I, I never had peace. I didn't have peace out there. I didn't, when I backslid, I had no peace at all because I had tasted and I had seen that the Lord is good and I wanted to be fully turned over to him. And so, and that's what he ended up doing for me whenever I, um, in 2017, at this point I had been at my parents' house for about six years. And at this point, um, I had fell back and I went and put another needle in my arm. And I remember I couldn't get high and I was eating and, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, what's going on? And I went to the bathroom to throw it away or, or to use it again. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, throw it away. And the chain is broke. That is the door that I'm talking about. When you hear him, do not harden your heart, but obey what he's saying. Because at that moment was a grace that was being released to set me free from the chain of meth addiction. And Amen. I threw it away. I came under all this warfare. I literally, the whole room, would, like this would be like normal, was like this. I was trying to walk. It felt like I was walking on the, like, on, on the side of the wall by the ceiling my my senses were totally distorted and i've and i've done a lot of drugs i've never experienced this until i heard god's voice and wanted to repent and i came wow but hear the the demons talking through the children's cartoons the video games i was thinking in my my head in my head i was like god no wonder this kid behaves this way like there's all this stuff that's behind what he's listening to right now and um and and it it was crazy when i finally um made it home the girl who i was at her house she was an unbeliever she mocked me a lot for christ because even though i was like you know in still in this lifestyle at times i loved god i loved god and i talked about him and i wanted i wanted to be free to like really worship him and um and so she um she purposely started bringing up trauma she knew i had so that i would dissociate and so I was going through all this stuff and I couldn't talk anymore. My mouth had was bound in the spirit so I couldn't actually repent. And so I remember getting my phone, I text someone like, "Hey, please, please call me. I can't I can't talk." And so she called me and she began praying and as she prayed, I just Jesus, 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 Jesus. I just started my my tongue was loose when I made it home. I was sitting in the chair and I, I, I didn't really realize what I had, what I was seeing, but it looked like it was snowing in my living room. Um, there was light everywhere. And I, and I thought the light was coming from like, um, you know, someone pulling up in the driveway. 
So I got up like several times to look and see who was there and nobody was there. And, and, um, as I, on my third time, as I went to turn, um, by my, the front door, my mom had a mirror that was right there. And I saw light beaming out of my chest, the light, mm, Jesus, the light that I was seeing was not coming in my living room, but it was beaming out from my body. That Praise God. Right. <laughs> That's how bright this light was that I literally thought the light could be coming from outside or up there. But the light of Christ, Jesus, was shining out of me. Oh, my gosh. Praise the Lord. And it is so amazing because that is when everything that everybody taught me about the like about the father or what I thought was about the father and like him being a taskmaster over me. That's when everything flipped because here I am. I had just fell back. I had just put a needle in my arm and here he is. And he came for me that day. And, and I didn't know this at the time, but in the Bible, it says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. This is how I know I was saved because Christ, there was, had no light to come out of me if there was not some type of seed in me. And so I just thank God because on my day of deliverance came and I recognized it. And it was so beautiful because, you know, in the, in the, in the book of Exodus, you know, Moses keeps getting sent back to Pharaoh to tell him that God says to let his people go so that they may worship me. And that day, that's what God did. He showed up to whatever was mm. body to whatever demon and said, let her go so that she may worship me. And that is exactly what happened that I, I could not believe uh, what was, you know, I looked like a superhero. I could not believe this light coming out. And, and at that point I heard the music in heaven um, I, it's so fun. I don't know what day this happened on. I just know it was in August. I was making notes of what happened, but I forgot to put the date. <laughs> so I'm not sure what day. Um, but uh, the, it was like the day of Pentecost. That's what it was. <laughs> and you know, I think you know. Oh my gosh! You know, I, I heard the music in heaven, and I remember making notes about it because. You know, you hear these worship songs where, or even in the Bible, it talks about holy, holy, holy. These are what the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. And it's like, gosh, well, that's such a, like a basic song. It's only the same word over and over. Well, I understood when I heard the music because the music is like a million instruments, but it only makes one sound. And it was mm. like, it was mind blowing. And um, I heard the father speak to me. He, um, he gave me, he told me what my calling was. Um, just so amazing. And then after this happened, um, I was, you know, it's interesting too, cause I, I cussed a lot. I was a bat, like I cussed, like I had OGs that were like 55 years old telling me like, you cuss too much. Like you need to stop this. But it was, it was bad. I was always cussing. Well, since that day, like not to say that, like, you know, I haven't got hurt and a cuss word came out, but that right there, it stopped that day. Like I talk different. I walk different. I didn't tell anyone what happened because I don't think I really understood like what happened, but I knew that I was free. And during this time, my brother was living in the house too. And he was addicted to meth at the time. And, um, and you know, it, it, it was, 
I just kind of sat with it for a while. And when I finally made a post on a social media about what happened to me, this speaker yeah. uh, came to me and he said, you think you're free now. God really wants to set you free. And he sent me to a YouTube channel. And when I saw the lady, I said, oh, no, I can't go listen to her. She terrifies me. He goes, those are those demons in you. And so I forced myself. And within um, so that was in the month of October, by by November 1st, I had been healed and set free from fibromyalgia, bipolar disorder, um, depression, a lot of other things. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've experienced all, over 10 miracles I had uh, in my in my body physically you know, from uh, brain injuries being healed. Um, my tailbone was crushed. And every time I sneezed or coughed, I would feel electricity going up my spine. And um, I actually had got back on Tramadol. And um, it was at my ministry graduation, God told me to publicly give up those pills at, in front of hundreds of people. And, um, and I remember crying and I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Because of all, you know, these injuries I got, um, someone was about to murder me and I was being suffocated. And so these injuries actually saved my life. Um, but I remember telling him, um, you know, because someone came in the room to get this man off of me when they heard this bed break. Um, but I, I, I told God, what am I supposed to do? He said, give them up publicly and I will heal you publicly. This is another example of that door. When God opens a door for your deliverance to walk through, I went and I gave up the pills. I I, I said, attention, everyone. <laughs> and I told him what God told me. And um, and I got baptized again. I went into the water. And when I came up, I was healed. And um, and so God has just done so many things. But, you know, even with the healings and stuff, like I always tell people, especially in the prison, the greatest miracle I received is how the Holy Spirit gave me a brand new heart how he gave me a heart that is sensitive, um, that is compassionate. Uh, I don't, I don't hate, I don't, I don't hate anyone anymore. And I don't hate women. Um, the hatred I had for women, it was so intense. Um, you know, I, I, I was involved in a lot of things to bring women into bondage to things. Um, you know, um, you know, before I was saved, that was, um, that wasn't good, you know, and I, I'm not proud of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm always getting nervous uh, about confessing that in prisons, at women prisons. But you'll be amazed that whenever I share that, how many women shake their head that they know exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. And wow. um, and it's just it's just so powerful. Um, also, the other thing um, is the freedom to be able to worship God, where like my mind, my heart, my spirit, everything is lined up. I'm no longer living in four different directions and, you know, like trying, trying to be, you know, for God and, but also being in the world that when God came into my life that day, um, you know, I, 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 everything was different, but I, I want to also say that the reason I stayed free and I'm not saying I didn't have hard times at times, um, but the reason I stayed free is I knew the word of God while everyone else had been laughing at me like, oh, look, why is she reading her word? Why is she doing this? She's still on drugs. She's still high and all this. The word got inside me. And so the day that I got set free, I knew I was free. And I, and I knew that that Satan could not make me. He, he couldn't trick me into thinking that God didn't come for me that day because I knew what God's word said. And that's how I've held on to my healing because every, almost every time I testify of uh, being healed of fibromyalgia, I get hit with it. 
And like, I get hit with the symptoms, these lying symptoms. And, and God told me, uh, you know, five years ago, like when that happens to you, all you have to do is you take authority, you reject it and you pronounce that, you know, that I healed you and you command him to leave you and he'll go. And that's what I've been doing all these years. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's truly, um, an honor to, um, especially to, to the bro really broken and forgotten people. It's an honor to be able to bring this experience, um, of being a witness, right? Cause there's, I believe uh, many believers, but there's few witnesses and, and God, I believe he wants us to be witnesses for him. And sometimes that means we need to lay some other things down to truly be a witness. And so no one can tell me that the father is mad at me because when I didn't deserve it, the father came to me and he did what I couldn't do. And he was patient with me. And he saw he, you know, it, it, often it's him who's reminding me of what I've been through. He'll tell me like the healing process I'm going through right now for some different things that I went through as a kid, you know, uh, in an adult. He tells me like, you had it really hard. And I, and I try to just be like, keep it strong and move on. And he said, no, you need to uh, um, acknowledge what you have come out of. And you need to understand that it's okay that sometimes you're really tired. You just dot, dot, dot. And he like lays it out like what I just went through. He goes, you don't have to keep just like shoving things down and keep it moving. I'm not asking you to do that. And, you know, to have the, the ability to tell people his heart and to share that and, and to demonstrate that to them, I think it's such an honor. It's such an honor and, and it's such a privilege um, to be able to do that. That's so amazing. That is so amazing. I, I just I want to go back to something that you said, um, the love of the father. Um, it's so important to understand this Bible principle. Um, the Bible teaches the love of the Father. Um, and I, I, for me, one of the best stories that demonstrates the character of God, the, the heart of God, the compassion of God, besides the, 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 the passion of Christ and him going to the cross for us. Um, but it's in the story of the prodigal son. You know, in the story of the prodigal son in Luke, uh, you, you see that this person, this son, you know, basically rejected his family, left, took all the money and all the inheritance and spent it all and found himself lost, lost, broken, tired, weary, and in a, in a foreign land. And he wanted to come back home. And when he started on his journey, coming back home, the father saw him far off and he ran to him, you know, he ran to him with joy. And I just, to me, that 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 it paints a picture of when we come back to the Father, no matter how far off the deep end we went, no matter what pitfalls came, you know, and we slipped up, we just have to get back up, and then fix your eyes on Jesus, fix fix your eyes on a return to the, the Father, and He has this repentant heart, like like He wants us to have a repentant heart. He wants us to just just to come back to him. And he's like, not like scolding us and telling us, well, you shouldn't have done this. And, you know, he's not throwing up um, our past in our face. He's just a loving father. Uh, but one of the scriptures that I just, that's spoken so much to me, especially during my time of being in prison and my years of incarceration, 
I just had to stand and believe that he loved me when I was still a sinner. And, and Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God loved us before we ever loved him. Mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. loved us before we ever even thought about loving him. And God loves us now, no matter what we've done. And mm -hmm. God just loves us so much. And that's the heart of the father that, that he loves us, that he knew us before we were even born. Amen. You know, he knew our name. Mm -hmm. And now we just have to go to the father and trust him and trust the process. And sometimes we don't understand the process. We don't understand why we ended up being drug addicts. Why, how did I get here to this place? We don't get it in the moment. You look around and you're in this cell and you're like, how did I get to this place? You know, and a million things come running back into your mind on the why. But really, God wants us to focus on right now. God wants us to focus on, you know, we're going to deal with your past, but right now we have to deal with your present. And in the present moment, I want you to repent of your sins, repent of your wickedness, come to me, anyone that's broken, anybody that's lost, and he will give you rest. He will give you peace. But check this out. He gives you joy and he gives you love and abundance of love. Because here's the deal. God's grace is enough. And when you were talking about your story of, you know, God opening doors of deliverance and God just being there for you, like that seed was planted in you. And it was a, it was what was planted was this grace. It was a saving grace that that you had that it never left. It was there. And you just have to tap into what's already there. And his grace is enough. His grace is enough for you. His grace is enough through your mistakes, through your failures. And sometimes we're our worst own enemy because we criticize ourselves for the things that we do wrong. And it's like, God's telling you, you're forgiven. I'm setting you free. Here's the keys to unlock yourself out of the prison. I'm letting you go down the hallway. I'm letting you leave beyond the gate. I'm letting you go past the chain link fence and the wire and the barb. But for some people, they say, you know what? I want to go back to my cage, back to where I've been, because that's all I know. And for you to walk out of the cage and down the hall to freedom, well, you've never experienced it. And you don't know what that's like. And for some people, the, the unknown is scary because you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know where you're going, but God will light up the path. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. God lights up the path. Your book, uh, what compelled you to write your, your book? And just, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So I, uh, funny cause I was had a different Facebook page than I have now. And um, I was very open with my journey. And uh, people were telling me, oh, you should write a book. And I was like, oh, I don't feel called to. Um, but about three days after I told someone that, <clears throat> excuse me, I was in a women's prison and I, um, Coco, stop it. Uh, I was in a women's prison and um, I heard the Holy Spirit say purchased innocence. And I wrote it down on the piece of paper that was in my hand. And um, I knew it was the name of the book I was supposed to write. Um, I was due that day or that week <clears throat> to tell my testimony for the first time in Houston. And I had never told my testimony before. And so 
right before um, I left, maybe a couple days uh, before I left, <clears throat> um, I sat down because I was like, well, I probably should, you know, at this point, I, w I wasn't even able to talk about where I had been without crying. So I was like super, super, it was all super fresh to me. And, yeah. uh, and I was like, well, I guess I'll write it down. The Holy Spirit fell on me and wrote 34 pages, because I didn't have a computer, 34 pages by hand in two and a half hours. And, um, and then, so I go to Houston and I give this testimony that took like over an hour, maybe two hours. And cause I didn't know how long they were supposed to be or like anything. And, um, and this, uh, the, this apostle came up to me afterwards and he said, he said, young lady, that wasn't a testimony you have, you have a book inside you. And so I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, long story short, like, um, that next year I took that, um, that uh, outline and um, a, a Christian couple paid for me to be by this beautiful lake. And in less than three days, I wrote the book with the outline. And so everything was in these threes and or almost three. So in under three hours, I wrote the outline in under three days, I wrote the book. And then it took about three years for the, um, the book to actually be released. It was right under three years. Um, just because the Lord had me just set it there and there was some, cause this was, I mean, it's healing for others, but it had to first be healing for me. And yeah. so there were, so it had to kind of sit and then the Lord had to be like, okay, remember when you said this, you know, let's release some forgiveness and let's cover these people a little bit better. Right. <laughs> um, and so, um, and you know, he gave me the, um, the, the name, uh, Purchased Innocence, a transformation from victim to victor. And then um, the cover inside, I, I talk about why the cover, you know, each, um, where is it? Oh, let me go. Oh, there we go. Um, you know, the meaning of the handprint. At first, it was just the handprint that I saw. And that was before I was ever, uh, ever be uh, before I was ever delivered. Um, and I was going to write a book called Stolen Innocence. And I was basically going to blast everybody who abused me. And um, God took the same, he flipped the name to being purchased innocence. And then he took the meaning of that handprint where before it, it was symbolic of the childhood that was stolen from me. And, mm. and he changed that. He said, no, this has to do with what I purchased for you. I purchased your innocence, not just your innocence from the sins that you committed, but I have restored you back to the innocence from the crimes that occurred to you. And, um, and so it was just so, um, it was so profound. Like, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. This was written by the Holy Spirit. Like, um, and then also just the difference of the window panes, you know, of this girl who's the little girl who's basically trapped. Um, yeah. And then you have the the woman on the other side that's, um, you know, she's, re she's received Christ and she's, she's peaceful. And then um, about a year later, right before the book was published, maybe like six to eight months, the Lord gave me the name of the ministry that he gave me, which is the Purchased Innocence Project. And when he, I heard that, um, I remember telling him, but God, there's already the innocence project. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to copy anybody. He said, no, but they only help the innocent. I helped all mankind that's guilty. And that's everybody. Come on. I was Praise like, the Lord. Oh. and so he just, it, it's, um, you know, we, we've operated, um, a lot in, uh, you know, I preach in the projects, um, and I had, <clears throat> I have a friend who has a strip club ministry. And so I provide some of these for her to take in there. Um, you know, a lot of homeless outreach and, and majority prison, um, 
uh, prison ministry. Um, and in the, the Lord shifting it again too, because one of the things I didn't know I was rescued from was human trafficking. And so before I was actually saved, God sent an angel, like a real angel to me. And he rescued me from human trafficking. And, um, and this was when my daughter was two. So this was like almost three years before I was saved. And, um, and so I, I never considered that to be a big part of my testimony because I got out really early, but that's really the focal focus point of what purchase innocence project is going to be doing in the future, um, as, uh, working very heavily in the human trafficking, which is still linked to the prisons. Cause you got a lot of people in prisons that are, have gone through that. Um, but also, um, reaching the traffickers themselves, which I, um, you know, it's only by the grace of God that I did not, um, that I wasn't used more in that capacity as well um, before I was saved um, because of that hatred for women and also for that fear from, for, from a, uh, myself being abused. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. It, it's amazing to have something that, you know, God birthed, you know, and that it's not, not anything you sat, sat down trying to come up with, <laughs> but that it was, uh, it was birthed from God himself. Amen. That's so amazing uh, to hear just your testimony and the struggles that you've went through, but the healing that has taken place. And there's there's just so many layers. There's so many there, there's so many instances where God's hand was upon your life. God opened the doors of healing and deliverance for you. Um, and I know that God's opening the doors of healing and deliverance for uh, those that are watching this. And I, I just really want you to really understand that God's love for you is so much. Um, the Bible here says, I'm going to read this to you. First John 3, 1 says this, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Um, I feel like because of the pain of our past and the trauma that we've received, it's stolen our identity. And what happens is our identity in Christ as a child of God was replaced with the hurt, the trauma and the mm -hmm. pain. And you walk from a place of being a victim because you were a victim. But God doesn't want to keep you in the place of being a victim. He wants to put you in a place of being an overcomer. He wants to put you in a place of being redeemed, being set free. You see, another story that really paints this picture is this woman at the well. You know, Jesus was at the well because he, the woman was going to be there. Like it, it was a divine appointment for this woman that was broken. And he prophetically knew, he, like he knew that she was coming with her garbage. She was coming with her bondage. She was coming with her pain. She was coming with her trauma. This woman had been married five times and the person she was with now, she wasn't married to. And in that time period, in that lifestyle of 2000 years ago, men divorced women. And so she was rejected her entire life. She was abandoned her entire life, but God didn't abandon her. Jesus ministered to her. And he said, I'll give you water that you'll thirst no more, you know. And when she got to taste that water, when she got to drink from that cup, her cup became overflowing. She went there to fill up regular water, but God gave her spiritual water. And out of that came an abundance of a river of spiritual water flowing out of her. And so then when she went back to her town, 
the same town that her disciples went to, went and got food, came back to Jesus, and they didn't even bring any back from the town. But this woman went back to the town screaming, Jesus delivered me, right? He set me free. He healed me. And then the whole town comes to meet Jesus, and many people were saved. And so it's just a beautiful, beautiful story of how God delivered somebody that was broken and set free. But you're a child of God. You are a child of God, no matter what the mind tells you, no matter what, no matter what that little voice that says you're not enough, that you're not good enough. You have to block that out. You have to cast that out in the name of Jesus. Take every thought captive, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He loves you. He adores you. He created you and he created you for a purpose. And if you're watching this, you're listening to this, and you might not know and understand what your purpose is in life, understand this. God created you to worship him. When you look on to worshiping him and figure out what it takes to worship him and worship him with your heart, worship him with everything that you have in you, your being, he is going to open doors of opportunity. You'll hear his voice. His voice is louder than the voice of the enemy and the voice of the chaos and of the world. You see, before we end this, I want to share with you uh, ways to hear God's voice. Uh, you have a lot of people, uh, you know, preaching all these messages on YouTube on how to hear God and this and that. But really, man, Jesus says that he hears his sheep. Mm -hmm. Period. Amen. Okay. Anybody that believes in Jesus Christ, you will be saved but he will hear your voice and he will minister right to you. And it's a simple prayer to him to come into the life of him uh, through repentance, to have a personal relationship with him. And I, and I just ask that you do that. I ask that you uh, ask the father to come into your life, just to be there with you, to, to minister to you, to love you, but to hear his voice is read his word. I would say, number one, read his word um, to hear his voice to quiet out everything else in the world. You have to get to this. You, the, I, I carry a Bible in my car. I carry Bible in my laptop, laptop bag, wherever I go. I have one at my desk. I have one upstairs. I have one everywhere I go. I take the word of God with me. I like having the Bible app, but it's not the same. I'm old school. I got saved 25 years ago. So I still like flipping through pages. <laughs> 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 but it to me, this is like my blanket. You know, yeah. this is my security. This is what makes me feel safe. When I'm when I'm going through the streets in St. Louis and bad neighborhoods, I, the word of God is with me. It is alive and it's it's in my heart. I've wrote it all over my heart. And that's the one thing I would say. Get into his word. He is going to speak to you directly to you in whatever situations that you have going on in your life, the season that you are entering into now, the season that you're walking into now is a season of expecting. It's a season of elevation. Uh, and what I really see is I just see the mountains, right? And, and I see um, the clouds are so high, they're almost above the mountains, right? But God wants you to know that he is above all. He is above everything. And that if you fix your eyes on above, you fix your eyes on him, he will direct your path. He will carry you, literally carry you 
like an eagle is carried. You know, when an eagle soars and spreads its wings, it's carried by the wind, and God's going to carry you in this season, and he's going to give you everything you need to survive because it's not enough to just love you and to help you survive. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive in the spirit of God. And he wants you to um, minister to other people. You've been called to help other people that are broken. You've been called to help the lost that are out on the streets and in prisons and in hospitals and on hospitals and in nursing homes, wherever there are people, you've been called to go and rescue people. Amen. Amen. Is there anything else that you want to share before we uh, end the podcast? Um, just just to, to, to just really understand that, you know. What, okay, so I was having a last or it's been a little over a year ago. And I was being, I was so down on myself. Um, I felt like I should handle the situations better. There was more I could do and just all of this stuff. And, and, and the father said something to me that was so profound. And it goes along with some of the things you were saying about, um, you know, to not look at like what we're not doing good enough or this or that. But the father said, I know I had a vision and I saw me be me being sent from heaven into my mother's womb. And he told me, he said, I know what I sent you into. And so I, you know, a lot of the people who are in prisons, um, you know, and really in a very deep sin and this uh, lifestyle, a lot of, a lot of us, we were called actually the ones to bring our families to Christ. We were the ones who were sent ahead of them. And when God chose you, to be the bloodline breaker in your family, to bring deliverance to your family, I will tell you what he told me. He knew what he was sending you into. He knew. He was, he was not expecting perfection. He, he was, and he knows what has been stacked against you it is a lot. But he also knew that you, you were going to be the one he's going to use to bring your family to, uh, to him. And also to to cleanse your entire bloodline, to leave a, a completely different legacy than what's been left by those who come before you in your family. And it is a hard job. It is not easy. And a lot of times it can be very lonely, even amongst your family. You're a lot of times you're not honored for what you're doing. You're misunderstood and you're rejected. But God sees you and he honors you and the close fellowship that you get to have with him because of it's not saying you get this fellowship because of what you're doing. What you're doing requires the close fellowship because it is a hard job. He will come and he will draw even like closer to you to uphold you as you are doing this. But I'm telling you, it, you know, I, I've, I've cried out a lot of times, even saying, God, why did you sacrifice me? Like, why do I have to go first? And all of this, because he straight up told me, you're the one I'm using to bring your family to me. If they don't, if you don't come, they don't come. And I remember saying, God, why, you know, are you forsaking? Why are you sacrificing me? And he told me, well, how do you think my son felt? How do you think my son felt? And, you know, so I, I just want to encourage it. It's an honor. There's parts of it that it, 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 it is. It sucks. Part of it sucks. Right. But there's also something that's inside a lot of people listening that you've already known this. And you you have a grit that's inside you 
that has made you be able to persevere and endure great hardship. And not all that you have endured has been for the glory of God. Whenever you decide to come out of agreement with what you've been um, persevering through, whether that's, you know, um, sin or gang banging or whatever, when you come out of agreement with that over here and you come and you link up and you yoke up with the father, that same thing that you've been using to get through day by day is going to propel you to actually make an impact for other people. And you get to experience, listen to this. He told me this once, everything Thanks. will come through your life. Every healing that you will ever be able to release into someone else's life, you get to experience it first. Before you re re uh, release the love of the Father into someone's life, you get to feel it come through you. And so, you know, it just I, I just want to let you know, yes, it, it can be very hard. It can be very hard, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And just to know that, that God sees you. He sees you, he loves you, and he knows the situation and the family that you were sent into, and he knows how to make you an overcomer. So just link up with him and stay close. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Um, she touched on something um, that I just wanted to bring back up before we end, um, and this is just for you that are that's listening, that's watching. Um, if there's any unforgiveness, if there's any anger towards somebody, if there's any bitterness, God wants you to remove it. It's like a weed that overgrows your garden. It steals the nutrients. And then that garden, that vegetable cannot grow because the weeds have overcome it. And it's like, if you're wondering why you're stagnant in your walk in your with Christ, you're wondering why breakthrough hasn't happened look to any unforgiveness and i'm writing this in the book in my book right now i'm literally in writer's mode right now and holy spirit is helping me write this book and i actually just finished the chapter on freedom through forgiveness and i explain this and i'm not going to go into a bunch of this right now but i'm going to ask you to just write down on paper who hurt you. And then on the next part of this paper, I want you to write down who you hurt. This is very important for you to see with your own eyes a list of everyone that's harmed you, everyone that's abused you, everyone that's hurt you. But I also want you to see everyone you've hurt, okay? And then I want you to ask God to forgive you. And you might be thinking, well, I can't forgive this person. Not for what they've done to me. Okay. I want you to understand what the word of God says. We have to go, always go back to the word of God. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If God's forgiven us for our sins then we should be forgiving those that sinned against us. Anyone that's harmed us and hurt us, that's what we need to do. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that any uh, emotional soul ties that are attached to somebody that's been harmed or abused or traumatized, let God, you break that in the name of Jesus. You break all soul ties um, to, the, to the person that was the, uh, the harmer, Lord God. 
We just ask that in the name of Jesus. We break any soul ties to a person. It is it, it hurts to go back and write this list, but it's so important for you to be freed from that list um, because God wants to walk you through forgiveness. God wants to walk you into freedom. And when you address unforgiveness and you really address um, any bitterness that's taken root, bitterness you know, towards your parents, maybe bitterness towards um, an ex-spouse, uh, bitterness towards a, a child um, that's not living the life that you want them to. Um, it can come up in any way. A co-worker that's done you wrong, um, any street dealings that happened in your past, gang dealings, anything, um, people that may have robbed you, stolen from you, people that may have cheated you. Um there's so many scenarios, but God wants you to just be freed from that. And there's freedom in forgiveness. Amen. There's so much freedom with that, um, that you must forgive. Like Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. He's saying must forgive you. You must do this. And I just pray that you do that today. I pray that um, if you don't know Christ, you will. I pray that you you will pray right after this is over and pray uh, a prayer of repentance and ask God uh, to, to show you how to live for him. And as, as you say that prayer and you believe in that, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you in, in such a way that when you're reading the word of God, it's going to come alive. It's going to come alive because the Holy Spirit will translate the word of God for you. And you'll be really understanding what God's really telling you. And nobody else will convince you otherwise. Amen. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Oh, man. I know we're all we're going to have to come back again uh, because there's so much more that we could go um, into in the future. Um, to just minister to people um, out here on the streets, minister to people online, to our online community, but also minister to those that are incarcerated right now, man. We love you. Uh, we care so much about you. Um, but even more than us caring about you, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And I just want you to know that I want, I just pray that this, uh, this podcast encourages you. Um, and you're not forgotten. Yes. You are not forgotten. We love you. We care about you. We're praying for you and we're lifting you up. Everybody that's watching online, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. God bless. Bless. Thank you. Praise the Lord.